Welcome to the Health Leader Forge, where today's health leaders help to forge the leaders of tomorrow. I'm your host, Mark Bonica, of the University of New Hampshire's Department of Health Management and Policy and the Northern New England Association of Healthcare Executives. Our website is healthleaderforge.org, where you can find information about subscribing to the podcast, links and information related to the episode, as well as our complete archives. Today's guest is Laura Kernan, the Executive Director of High Point Village Retirement and Assisted Living Community in Enumclaw, Washington. Laura has been the Executive Director at High Point since 1990. In this podcast, we talk about how assisted living works, what kind of services are provided, and how the industry fills a niche between retirement communities and nursing homes. Laura talks about creating a community that is welcoming and comfortable for her residents and that brings retirement to life. This was an educational interview for me because I personally have not had much exposure to the assisted living industry, but clearly this is an industry that will continue to grow in importance. Today, there are over 30,000 assisted living facilities in the United States providing care for more than 1 million residents, and the industry is poised to grow with the aging of the baby boom generation. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to leave us feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you may be accessing this recording. Also, you can find us on Twitter at the handle at HealthLF. That's at H-E-A-L-T-H-L-F. Thanks for listening. And here is Laura Kernan. Welcome to The Forge, Laura. Thank you. So you went to the University of Washington and you were a theater major. Why the University of Washington and what got you interested in the theater? Why the University of Washington is that it was across the mountains from where I lived, um, I was from Spokane, and I, you know, like all kids, I think I wanted to get away from home as far as away as possible, and I wanted to go to a big university. And so, and why theater? I've always been interested in theater all my life, and so my my first, the first thing I ever wanted to be was the trapeze lady in the circus. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Did you ever get to try trapeze? You know, I asked my father if he would build me a trapeze in the backyard, and um, I, I never got it. Oh, oh. oh, well. I'm sure my mother thought I was going to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> so are you still involved in theater today? I am off and on. I do things every once in a while. And, and I've written a few plays. I've been lucky enough to have them perform um, just locally. And so I, I guess you could say that I am. um, I'm, I'm sort of involved. Okay. I was a, I was an English major as an undergrad and wanted to be a poet. That was what I hoped to be. Instead, I wound up in the army for a couple of decades. So, but you know, (laughs) it's, it's funny how life takes you places. So how did your background in theater lead you ultimately to, um, you started working, I, I assume you started working in assisted living retirement in 1985 at Farrington Court Retirement Community in Kent, Washington. Is that correct? Or were you already I, in the industry at that point? No, I wasn't. And there was nothing about theater that led <laughs> me to Farrington Court, not right. anything at all. Okay. Although I, although now that I think about it, I had performed there. I at that time I was singing and and I had performed there because one of my neighbors was the activities director and she asked me if I would. But the thing that brought me there was that I my husband and I married in 1968 and from 1970 through 1980 I had five babies. Wow. And I did not work outside the home. And so uh, I started thinking about what I was going to do when um, they were out of the house. And so I, I took a class about career planning. And then I, and, and at that time, my friend who lived down the street had worked at Farrington Court and uh, she told me that she had told them about me and that I should go and apply. So I did. I was hired. And then uh, 
they, there was a change in management there and my new boss wanted, he was from the hotel industry and he told me that he wanted to start a management training program and he wanted me to be in it. So, and I thought at that time I, I was so old to be starting working that I better take advantage of everything that came my way. So I did that. And then he was hired by Village Concepts. It wasn't called Village Concepts at that time, but it's the same company. And and he told me he was going to take me with him. Oh, and oh, nice. And so, I, I, so uh, he went to the corporate office. I came to High Point Village. And except for one year, I've been here at High Point the whole time. I, I defected at one time and I went to a different company and I always wanted to manage a great big place. So I did, but I really like village concepts. I like, I like the way that they do business. I, and, and I missed Enumclaw. Enumclaw is a wonderful city. So, or a little town actually. Yeah. And yeah. so I came back after a year. Okay. And that's, uh, and, and I'm still here. Okay. So what did you, what was Farrington Court Retirement Community like? What was the organization? And what did you do kind of during, it was two years you were there. You were doing, you did the management yeah. training. What kind of organization was, was Farrington Court? Farrington Court is um, a part of Leisure Care. Okay. Leisure Care is a large company, a retirement company, and they did not do any assistance. When I was hired, I was an activity director, and and I thought, this is great. I do the same thing at home. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just pile everybody into the bus, and we would go do something fun, and come back and I hired people to come in and entertain and and I was the hostess at several things and and it was just a, a lot of fun and I I loved the people who were there the residents and that's that's leisure care leisure care since I left in 1987 has grown a lot and but so has village concepts Okay. So in 1987, you were saying you, you came with your, your boss from, uh, Farrington Court, uh, to Village Concepts. And you were the, you, were you, were you immediately put into the role of executive director at High Point? I was. Okay. Yes, I was. Okay. Um, so, so this is, so, so High Point is located, as you said, in Enumclaw, Washington. Um, for folks outside of Washington State, including me, where is where is Enumclaw, and is what's special about it? You know what's special about the geography that makes it unique. Enumclaw is southeast of Seattle. It's on the western side of the state. It's the gateway to Mount Rainier. Oh, lovely. Uh, and there's ski resort Crystal Mountain right up Highway 410. It's traditionally been a farming and logging community, but several years ago. The mill closed down, and and there are a lot of horse ranches out here. A lot of retired people and a lot of people whose relatives have lived here forever, and they've never moved away. It's a real kind of self-sufficient area because we're not close to any big municipalities. We're in King County, which is the same county Seattle is in, but we're 14 miles away from the largest city, which is Auburn, Washington. And so Enumclaw has had its own fire department, had its own library. Everything was focused on Enumclaw until the last recession when we joined with the county in many um, areas like the library and the, and the fire department and became part of King County with those, those changes. But the, there's, there's still a lot of people who wave to you when you drive by in the car 
and and it's a it it ha- there's a small core downtown area, no big box stores here. Okay, okay. So High Point Village uh, is part of a larger system that you mentioned called Village Concepts. It wasn't called that when you first joined, but that's that's what it is now. Can you tell us a bit about Village Concepts as an organization? Where did it come from? What does it do? How did it come to be where it is today? Village Concepts was built in uh, 1985 and 1986, and it was built as a retirement community. It was, and that was a time when the state of Washington was still defining what retirement meant. So we did some assistance and shortly after I joined Village Concepts, our building was licensed by the state as an assisted living community. And we have currently we have 47 apartments. We're a small community. This year we're going to double in size and we're going to be able to do memory care and a lot of other exciting things. But we have over the years added more and more assisted living. I can remember a time when <laughs> when I did things are totally illegal now. <laughs> but at the time, I did them. And I made my own Mars. I, um, I filled Medisets. I, I was sort of the nursing department. Then I hired a nurse two hours a week to come in. And then, and it's just grown from there. And now we do a lot of assistance, a, a lot of things. And also the state has, we, we changed state departments from the Department of Health to the Department of Social and Health Services. Oh, okay. And when we did that, we, the uh, DSHS is a lot more paper oriented. <laughs> and so things got a little more regulated at okay. that time. Okay. So what you were describing, I'm sorry, what you were describing just now was, was that specifically High Point as opposed to Village Concepts? It was Village Concepts too. Okay. Um, although at the time, Village Concepts was just getting out of the nursing home business and into assisted living. Okay. So as the communities were built, they were, they were built to accommodate the assisted living concept. I see. Um, High Point has had to change different areas in the building so that we could accommodate a nursing department oh. because that wasn't, that was not part of the original plan at all. So, so, okay. So what is High Point and how does it fit into kind of the village concept concepts structure? Well, village concept is sort of like the home office. Right. That, and all the buildings, um, there are 15 now, although no, this, this morning I got a, an email. There are 16 of us now because they, they have another management contract. And so they do all of the, all of the bill paying and they ha- and, and they also have the corporate people who are in charge of like the nursing department, our dining services. And so I can call on them um, for um, anything that um, that we need here okay. or questions to answer. And and they they handle. And of course, lately we've added. Let's see. What is it called? It's called uh, public relations. Ah. So, so, so to get the word out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so you said there's there's six, sixteen buildings. They're not all in Enumclaw. No. Okay. But they're all in they're all in the state of Washington. Okay. So, so is High Point the only Village Concepts organization in Enumclaw? Yes, it is. Okay. So yes. you said you had forty seven apartments at High Point. I do. Wow, mm-hmm. that's a lot. Yeah. And you're and you're going to double. 
Yes. Well, we're going to, I think we're going to go to 87. Okay. So almost double. That's, yeah, almost. That's, that's pretty close. Okay. Yeah. And you said you're going to add memory care. Yes. What does that yeah. mean? Memory care, memory care for us means a special unit that is devoted to caring for people who have Alzheimer's, dementia. It's a, a, a very specialized department that caters specifically to the needs of those people. And in the configuration of the, um, of the building and, um, and, and their, and their apartments. And also the people who care for them have specialized training. There, it's a very specialized, it's a very specialized service that, that those people need. And because a lot of times they're not living in the present time. And, and also things like eating, dressing, ADLs are, have to be handled differently than you would with people who are cognitively uh, aware, very aware. Not that, not that these people, these people by and large are pretty charming. Okay. Um, they just are not quite in, in 2016. Well, that must make some unique care challenges. Let's, let me back up just a second and, and ask you this. And then maybe we could come back to, to the differences between assisted living and memory care or how the, how the two are related. But I, I didn't ask you to kind of, can you explain to, to us what does assisted living mean as a concept? Assisted living just means that we are a community that offers apartments to people and we also offer services to them, services to take care of ADLs because a lot of people, when they grow older, need help because of various maladies they have. And so we offer things like medication management, bathing, um, grooming, dressing, things like, like that, that people may or may not be able to do on their own. There are some ADLs that are not specifically services here, but that we do for everyone, such as we have a, a dining room and we offer meals to people. We offer housekeeping that just comes with the, with the monthly rent. Okay. Well, you've, you've used the acronym ADL. Can you explain what that stands for? ADLs are um, activities of um, daily living, and it's just the ability or inability to do those things, um, a measurement of function for people, and it can be, it's usually for people who have disabilities or the elderly, that's people actually have, have those things measured. They're just things that we normally do every day, like get up, um, Bathing and dressing, like uh, bathe, you were saying. Yeah, and and even leisure activities, just their homemaking. They're they're just things that you would do in your own home every day. And so our nurse, before anyone moves in here, um, does an assessment, and we want to make sure that we are able to. Um, have residents be successful in living here. So, and sometimes just living here, just being in an apartment can take care of any ADLs that people need help with. And sometimes we offer nursing services to those people too, if they're having trouble with, um, remembering to take medications, remembering to bathe. They need help with grooming, different things like that. So that's why we do an assessment, and then our nursing department takes over those services. Okay. So some of, some of what you're describing to me does not sound like uh, medical care. Some of it is, but some of it's none of it is. Wouldn't dispensing medic. What about dispensing medications? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
the way that we do medications is, uh, let's see, how do I put this? We don't dispense. Okay. Uh, we have med techs. It's done by computer. Um, we have cards that have the medications and the dosages are all separate and, um, and it's all so we can, yes, people do come to us for their medications, but it's not called dispensing. dispensing. Okay. Uh, as you would, because they, the medications are all specific to the person. They're not getting something out of a, a big bottle and, you know, and, um, for different people. They're all specific to the resident. And our nurse can do something. She does some injections and, um, but, um, and there is, um, there is a way that we can do some nursing care and it's called, um, nursing delegation. We don't do that at high point, um, because it requires that we have an RN here all the time. And so we don't, we just don't do that. But there are a lot of people who don't need that, that level of care. And so we can manage their care very well without having it be a medical model. We're more the hospitality model. Okay. Well, so you had said you had worked at Farrington Court, which you said was a retirement community. What distinguishes an assisted living community from a retirement community? What is it that's different? A retirement community does not offer any of the services. Um, the, um, does not offer medication management, does not offer bathing. They just don't have that department. If people need it, they hire those people from the outside. Okay. Okay. So, and then kind of on the other end of the spectrum, at what point does, um, or what distinguishes an assisted living facility from a long-term care nursing facility? Where do you draw the line? The line is drawn when people are a danger to themselves or others. And that can take so many different courses that you know, I, I can't say what, what that would be. But yes, when they, when they, I would say if someone, um, we call it eloping, if someone leaves the building and does not know where they are or thinks they are going to work, that they are um, headed off down the road to go to their job and it's 1956 and um, then that person would not belong here. Okay. But that so would that fit into your memory care? That concept? would fit into memory care. And so you're not currently it's, providing it's, that service, but you're yeah, going to it, be. It is. It, sometimes it's hard to distinguish. Usually it would be when an RN is necessary. However, we have many people who are on hospice here and not currently, but have been here on hospice. And we are able to take care of them uh, till the end of their life because, um, because of the hospice care, although hospice does not have people who come in and care for these people, but they still um, do not need that medical attention. Um, we can handle those things um, with our staff and also with the family, uh, family involvement. Okay. Um, so we talked a little bit about some of the services that High Point provides. Kind of give me a. Can you give me kind of a rundown of? What are what are the kind of standard services that one would expect from a assisted living facility? What is it? What are the additional services that would typically um, be provided? The, the additional services would be 
bathing, medication reminders, grooming. We help people dress. We get, we help them get up in the morning and go to bed at night. We also do some kind of specialized care. Uh, if people don't remember to come to the dining room, we go get them and bring them to the dining room. If they're, if they need a wheelchair to come to the dining room, we get a wheelchair for them. And then we have some other services that are specifically um, individual services. If people need help in their apartments, I'm thinking of uh, housekeeping services. Okay. Uh, we can do that. Okay. And, and we do it and we charge on a, on a, a time basis. Like how long does it take us to do things? So people come in, you were, you were saying people come in, they get an evaluation and you kind of develop a individualized program of care for them. Yes. A care plan, a care plan. And that, yes. and that determines at least in part the actual cost of, of, of living at high point then. Yes, it does. Okay. Yes. Is there a, is there a progression of care? Do you, I imagine you periodically reevaluate your residents. Every time anyone has a change in condition, we reevaluate. And we also reevaluate on a, a yearly basis too. So, and we have, we have people who live here who had no assistance from us. Oh, is that right? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, probably we're about half and half right now. Okay. And so we have, we have people who drive, who live here. We have people who, uh, we have couples who live here. Uh, maybe one of the couple needs more care than the other one. And so we have, we have help for one and, and not the other. So you said you have 47 units. Can you describe, are they all identical or they, are they designed differently? Let's see. Um, we, um, our original building is, we're built in a big square around the central courtyard with the, the central courtyard has a gazebo and some paths in it. And, um, all of those apartments are, they're two models. One is a uh, one bedroom and the other one is a studio apartment. And then in 1990, we added a wing and we made a large studio apartments and a little larger one bedroom apartments. And they were, had a, a, a little more storage in them. Unfortunately, those are going to be demolished for the new building. Okay. So Trying to move people over to the original side now and, uh, you know, in preparation. So, um, the, so yes, if you're in a one bedroom on the original side, it looks the same as all the other one bedrooms. Some of the apartments are on the courtyard and so they have sliders that go to the courtyard. The ones that are on the outside of the building have windows. Very nice. What kind of programming does High Point provide its residents? So you were saying you, when you were originally hired to work at Farrington Court, that was kind of what you did, right? You were the activities director. I did, yes. And now in this building, in this company, we call them program managers. Okay. And that person makes a schedule uh, for the month, everything that we're going to do, trips and lunches out and entertainment, exercise programs, all parties. And, uh, and, and that person is always thinking of sort of new things to do. We fortunately have um, a lot of very active people here. And so they're in charge in the evening, they play different uh, games, card games, and other other games. There's a bridge group here that doesn't want to let anybody in who really doesn't know how to play bridge. <laughs> Serious players. <laughs> they are. They are. So I guess you have to prove yourself before you can 
be a member of that group. Okay. But um, there, and, and we have, oh, a few years ago, we were trying to think of something that the men would like to do here. And I guess we hit on something that was pretty popular because twice a week we have a poker game that goes on. And we have men from the community who come in oh, nice. and, and play. And, uh, and it's a big deal. Um, sometimes when people are in the nursing home for a while, they'll take the game to the nursing home. And, oh, um, nice. yeah, it's, it's very nice, very nice. And my, uh, maintenance man is the, what do you, dealer. He's the dealer. <laughs> so I actually pay him to play poker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm sure he doesn't object to that. <laughs> no, he doesn't object. <laughs> How how generally do do residents pay for their services? Is is how is the uh, how do they fund their rent and so forth? Is it is it private pay? Is there is there long term care insurance that covers this? Is it is there a government program? How does that work in general? Well, private pay, um, private pay, we hope is you know the main the main payment, and within private pay. We also have, it can be a lot of people, not a lot, but some people get the military aid and attendance benefit and, but that goes directly to the person. I didn't realize until recently a resident told me that that pays 40% of his rent. We do take after people have lived here for two years. If they run out of money, they go on Medicaid and they stay here. We I have four people right now on Medicaid. Nothing at all changes for them as far as services or where or or how they take part in things. They do usually live in a one of the studio apartments because Medicaid does not does not fund at a very high rate. Okay. But, but nothing else changes. And usually, usually they have lived in a, a small studio. So they, nothing changes for them. So, so you do have the opportunity as an organization to take government pay. Um, yes. And long-term care. There are not a lot of our residents uh, with long-term care. But I've noticed over the years, more and more have long-term care. Okay. In 2015, uh, High Point Village was awarded the Silver AHCA NACAL National Quality Award. What is that award? The American Healthcare Association and the National Center for Assisted Living um, is sort of our – the. Um, organization that's our national organization. Our state organization is the Washington Healthcare Association. And it's it's an award that's based on the Baldridge Criteria for Excellence. And a few years ago, that award was uh, specifically designed for education and for healthcare. And so the American Healthcare Association um, decided that they would offer that award um, in three steps, the bronze, the silver, and the gold, kind of like the Olympics. Nice. <laughs> and so I had read about it, but I had never considered writing for that award until one of our the people at our corporate office who had worked for Washington Healthcare thought that all the executive directors should do that. Okay. And so, and so we did, not everybody, but um, some of us did. And, and, and we were awarded the, the bronze award. And then the next step is the silver award, which is a little more detailed and, and, and both of them are not easy to get there you have to really do some you have to do a lot of work let's say and so one of the other eds and i decided that we would we would do that and 
So, and both of us were awarded the Silver Award. Last year, there were 128 healthcare communities who got the Silver Award across the country. Wow. Eight, eight of those were assisted livings. So the fact that this company got two of those eight was really remarkable. That's, that's, that is remarkable. Wow. So the next step is the gold. And I am going to go for that, but not probably for a year because it is a, it's some, it's more than just doing research and writing. The other thing too is that there are really no national statistics for assisted living. Um, the American Healthcare Association has started a section of their website called Trend Tracker. And that is, and starting this year, they're going to have some statistics for assisted living. But in the meantime, it's really difficult to find those things. So what I did with the Silver Award was I just compared us to sister communities. Okay. Uh, because that was, that was all I had. Okay. And, but, um. And, and what were you comparing and, yourself? What kind of, uh, measures were you using to compare yourself? This is a quality uh, award. Yes. Surveys from the residents and families about satisfaction. Also things like falls and, um, starting programs to, um, to help residents with balance. You know, what, what was the rate of falls before that, the rate of falls after, um, I, there, and you know, so I, I'm having trouble remembering exactly. Okay. <laughs> it's been, um, it's been over a year since, okay. um, since I wrote that. But, but they, um, if you are considered for the gold, then people from the, um, American healthcare come to your building and it's not a survey, but they, they investigate to see if you have, um, if you, if you really are doing these things and, um, it's not the Baldridge, it's, it's the Baldridge criteria, but the, the big Baldridge right. you know, is, is a government, um, is, is a part of a government agency, the National Institute of Standards and Technology. And no nursing home or assisted living has ever gotten the gold award. There have been hospitals and, and um, specialty clinics who have gotten it, but no. I, and that that is awarded by the president. Cool. So that's pretty prestigious. So you think you might shoot for that next year? <laughs> I think that... I think there's a little more that I have to do before, okay, okay. <laughs> before okay. I do uh, You are certified as an assisted living administrator through the Assisted Living Federation of America. What does that mean? Uh, what did you have to do to be certified? In 2004, the DSHS changed the a lot of things with assisted living. They changed what assisted living means. And they change things like the criteria for what they call administrator. My company calls it executive director. And one of those things was that um, we had to take a, a class, a course. And so we did. And, but there, there are several other criteria that um, remained the same and some, some were different, but I had been an executive director. Actually, I've gone, gone through several name changes, but, and the current one is executive director. And so I, I did take, take that class and, um, and as I was taking that class, I, um, <laughs> all of a sudden just dawned on me, this is, this is a huge responsibility. <laughs> what you do? <laughs> I had, yeah, yes. I had never thought of it before until, you know, I, all of a sudden I, 
I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm in charge of all of this. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a lot. <laughs> so, um, but that was in 2004 and, and I am not sure if I, I, I think that you can become an ED through other means now, other educational means, uh, but, but it is a class that you have to take. So that I guess you know what you're getting into. <laughs> I see. Is there an examination that you have to complete or is it just, just yeah. a, okay. Okay. So you were explaining just now, you know, you, you, it occurred to you just how many responsibilities you have. Can we talk, let's talk a little bit about kind of your organization. What is the staff structure at High Point? What, who, who reports to you and who do you oversee on a day to day basis? Well, I, we have departments and, Dining services, maintenance, uh, maintenance and housekeeping are together. I have um, the programs and, of course, the nursing department. And then one of the key people here is my assistant. I could not probably <laughs> exist without her. Sure. And so we meet weekly and go over anything that um, has changed or how we need to help each other with with things and um, those and those people all have employees okay they hire their own employees and um, so we have a staff of about 25 okay here. okay what makes a good assisted living facility? If you were looking to place a loved one yourself in an assisted living facility, what would you be looking for? And how would you evaluate the facility? What makes a good assisted living community? Um, first is the things you don't see. You have to have, you have to have the right mix of people. You have to have the staff. You have to, well, have adequate staffing. You have to bring in enough income to pay everyone. Uh, you have to make sure that your people know what, what the regulations are and, and how they fit into that. But then if you were just walking into the building, I think that most people decide with their senses. They walk in, even driving into the community. They look at the landscaping. Usually it's the children of our residents who come and, and they have choices. I'm not the only game in town. There are two other assisted living communities and one four miles away. So you can't, so they walk in the building and, and, and their senses take over. They, how it looks, how it smells, the architecture, and all of the buildings that are around here were all different. We have one that's sort of grandiose, and we're sort of Pacific Northwest style, beamed ceilings, I-beam ceilings, and fireplace, and but the rest of it's like grandma's house. Comfy furniture. Yeah. And nice, you know... Nothing too modern, and and I always like it when people come in and say, "Oh, it smells like you're baking cookies." <laughs> so, and that's great. They don't know it's it's a scent called vanilla bourbon <laughs> that <laughs> is blowing out from under a settee. <laughs> but but that so, helps create the environment that you want. Yes, yes, and of course, it's the person who's at the front desk who greets them, who is, who likes people that used to be me, <laughs> but now I have way too many things to do. And so it has to be somebody who is so welcoming and can show people around and, and let them know what, what we can do and how we do it. And, and then we invite people to come and share a meal with us. Oh. And we, I'm, I'm very happy and, and very proud of our dining department. We make things from scratch. We try to source locally whenever possible. We have once a month, we have something 
what's it called? Oh, 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 oh. Culinary Delights. Very nice. And our kitchen, our, the dining director makes different things that people can taste. Things that he wouldn't cook for a meal that are that are very different and and honestly i can't remember one of them right now okay but and sometimes sometimes it's just desserts but other times it it's something that you might find at a high-end restaurant downtown and and it's just a sample of of those things so people would say oh this is whatever and a lot of times we will have mojitos and, you know, if we have some Southwest food or Cuban food and, and I like to, um, serve things in different drinks and different glassware. So we do that. It's kind of fun. People from the community come in and they, and, and they, they like it. We also have, we have a lot of things that people from the community come in and take part in. Bunko. Once a month, we have a bunco game and things go crazy out here. It's so noisy and they're, you know, the ringers are ringing. And, uh, and then, and also where High Point is a part of the community. I, I've always considered that we're just a neighborhood in the community. And so as a neighborhood, we, um, we're really involved with the senior center and their programs. Every, we also contribute to something called Full Bellies. And that is every Thursday, we, some, uh, some community entity serves a meal, um, at one of the local churches and, and people come, they don't pay, they just come and eat. And so, and we do that. We're involved in, um, hospital programs, our local hospital. We, Every year we do bras for the cause, and that's a lot of fun. And it, it's not held at high point. We also fund um, through a dinner and auction a local charity that's called Plateau Outreach Ministries. That, and the only reason it's called that is that most of the churches contribute to it. But it's a place that has a food bank and a clothing bank. It's also a place where people can go who need assistance. And every year we have a big event and they write us into their budget because they make between thirty-five dollars and $45,000 for them. And we've done that for 11 years now. It's a lot of fun. But we're part of the community. So that's just something we can do to give back to the, yes. to the greater community. You've been working in the assisted living field for 30 years. How has the field yeah. changed? How, how, how has the, how has the field changed in that time? Well, the field has <laughs> changed significantly. Um, as I was telling you, when I first came here, I, um, did things that you can't do now. I could not fill a Mediset now without it being illegal. But, and, and of course we were, we were, um, under the Department of Health. And so at that time, there were things we could do that we do now. And I'm thinking specifically of people who are on dialysis. We could, have home dialysis here for people who are stable and very stable. And, and we did, we have a phlebotomist come out and that's not possible with, um, DSHS. And, and now of course there's so many regulations, so many more regulations. And, and we always worry that we haven't quite fulfilled what um, DSHS wants of the regulations um, because we're surveyed about every 15 to 18 months. So we usually do real well, but but it's always a worry. <laughs> we always sure. think, oh my gosh, they could come in any minute. <laughs> sure. So where do you see where do you see assisted living 
going in the future and how will it fit into the broader long-term care uh, spectrum? That's a very interesting question. That's a very interesting question because, because the, the people who live at High Point now, even though some of them are younger than I am, are pretty accepting of the way things are. I was born right before the baby boom. And I know that those baby boomers are demanding. They, um, they're going to want everything. <laughs> And they may or may not want to pay for it. <laughs> so I really do not know. I think things are going to change significantly. How that will be, I don't really know. I think, I, I think a lot more people are going to stay at home. Um, they're going to want home-based care. But other than that, I don't know how it's going to be. I, I'm waiting to see. What, what's going to happen? Because I know I'm 70 right now. In 10 years, I'll be 80. I might be looking at a place like this. And I might say, no, I'm not moving in because air conditioning is a deal breaker for me. And, uh, you don't have air conditioning. So I'm not going to live here. And show me your, show me your menu. And, and say, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to go down the street. <laughs> See what they have. So I think that, I think my, re the residents who live here, by and large, don't want to make a fuss. They just say, oh no, it's okay. It's okay. And we have to kind of make them make a fuss. Say, no, do you, do you want this? Okay. Um, you know, we can do that for you. Oh, I don't want to be a bother. Baby boomers, mm, that's not part of what baby <laughs> So you see a cultural change coming. I do, yeah. And, and how this industry is going to handle it, I don't know. Okay. Well, let's, shift, let's shift gears. Let me ask you just a couple of questions about leadership. So what would you say is your leadership philosophy? You've been the executive director for a long time. I have. I have. And, you know, the first thing that popped into my mind when I saw that question was that that I always tell people, why would you have a job that you don't have fun at? You know, don't, you know, if you're not having fun, you don't belong here. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's a little more to it than that. I think that I expect my employees to act with integrity and caring, and they can expect the same from me. I I want them to know that I am as involved as they are. They know that I'm here late at night sometimes. Sometimes I'm here very, very early in the morning. And if they come to work, when they come to work, I expect them to give 100%, and, and I'll do the same. So I don't know if that's a, a much of a philosophy, but, you know, that's kind of it. Well, that kind of leads me to the next question, which is, what, what do you think are the characteristics and behaviors of a good leader? And how do you aspire to those yourself? I think it's uh, someone who's dependable. Okay. I think dependable, honest, and for me, it all hinges on communication. I think communication is key to almost everything the two-way communication i there are many times when somebody will say something to me and i had you know i think uh oh when did that happen <laughs> nobody told me about that <laughs> and so and so it's something that you work on constantly doesn't happen all the time but when it happens, it's a big deal to me. What do you look for when you're hiring leaders? You were saying you've got several subordinate leaders who are managers themselves. What do you look for when you're when you're when you have to replace one of those people? And you know, if, if you have the opportunity to hire, what are you what are you looking for? I'm looking for someone with people skills, someone with communication skills. They're obviously. If you're hiring for a specific job, they have to be able to have the skill set for that job. But 
I want them to be a part of the team and not to be, and not to make their department their department. We all work together. And, and we, we do a lot of things together it, in the building and out of the building. And, and we have a lot of people who go to parties at people's houses. Um, we've gone to the, we've gone to horse races together. During the summer, the staff has a, um, we, we play balloon badminton in the courtyard to the amusement of the residents. <laughs> So, and I, and I want people who will take part in that and, and have fun and be part of the community. And sometimes it's hard to know if people will do that. Sometimes you have to work around people. There are people who are always grumpy in the morning, but then they warm up. <laughs> so, so I think it's just working, being able to work together, work as a team. Okay. So earlier you talked about, when I asked you about what makes a good facility, you said a lot of it is the intangible kind of um, stuff that you, you know, you can't necessarily see. So my next question is about organizational culture. And it's, you've kind of been talking to that already, but what would you say is organizational culture and, and why is it important? And what aspects of organizational culture are particularly important to you? I think that that probably starts with the corporate office and, and with a mission statement. Our mission statement is to be of service. And so each community has taken that mission statement and, and done with it things that, that fit into their communities. And we try to implement that by another one of the things from the corporate office, and that is uh, to bring retirement to life. And because people are still alive um, and still have fun, and so I think it all begins with the corporate, with the corporate office filters down, and then how the and then how the community actually puts that into practice. You had a, it sounds to me like you had a mentor when you first started uh, working, someone that kind of looked out for you a bit, the gentleman you worked for at Farrington, perhaps. Uh, would he, would you count him as a mentor? Did he help, or, or did you have other people who kind of looked out for you and helped you kind of learn the ropes of, of working in the assisted living industry? I, I don't know if I would call him a mentor. Hmm. He, he was somebody who he, he did, he did help me a lot. And, and I probably would not be here today unless it were, were for him. Well, how would you define a mentor then? And did you have, did you find anyone along the way? I would say, I would say probably that I was mentored by another executive director, someone who had been in the business longer. She and her husband had actually owned a retirement community and nursing home at one time. And she still remains a very, very good friend of mine. And she and her husband are both very good friends of mine. Sometimes... Sometimes you're put into a situation that, well, I don't know if you want this to go in. <laughs> I don't want uh, it to go okay. into But can... there, um, let me just say that, um, that, that she was a wonderful mentor to me in many ways. And in many ways, I helped her with sort of the paperwork aspect of things. She, she helped me. Actually, there were three of us at the very, at the beginning. I, I came a year before the other two people and we, we actually mentored each other and were, and we are still very, very good friends. One of us is retired 
Um, the other one is semi-retired, and I'm the only one who's hanging on. But I, both of them are wonderful people who who knew a lot about the business and who were and and the three of us were helpful to each other in um, many many ways. Are you a member of any professional organizations? I am. I am a member of WACA, and that automatically makes me a member of the National Association of um, Healthcare. And I'm also a member of Rotary. Been a ro- member of Rotary for twenty some years. And uh, let's see, I I can't. I over the years. I've been a member of business and professional women, but those are the the two organizations that I am currently a member. How important have those been to your career and career development? Oh, WACA. Very, very important. Um, They keep us abreast of all the, uh, everything that's coming. Um, There's education through WACA, conferences, conventions where we can meet uh, people who are influential in this business. It's, and, and I have friends who work for WACA who try to influence the legislature. <laughs> and, and so those people are, are very important to me. And, and Rotary, while Rotary is not a professional organization, Rotary is comprised of business owners and and people who run businesses in town. So it's very important that that you know those people. They're they're influential people in town. So it's very important. And although Rotary is a social organization, <laughs> okay, but it's helpful. This is how you get to know those people, and yeah, and then you're yeah. able to call on them. I assume it. At times when you might need them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. All right. Well, final question. Based on your experiences, what advice do you have for young people who might be interested in working in long-term care, especially in assisted living? Um, there are now degrees that you can get for long-term care. I know a number of people who want to, who have wanted to be um, nursing home administrators who after a few years decide that they would much rather work in assisted living. It's not as regulated and although it's getting there. And so I would say work in a community. I've had, I've had people come up to me and tell me and ask me if I remember their daughter who worked in the kitchen when she was in high school and said, you know, my daughter loved it. She loved working with people, and now she's a social worker. Oh, nice! And so, um, and so, I would say um, the best way to know is just to come and work in one and see if that is what you want to do. Okay. Many people, I, I meet many people all the time who say. Oh, thank you for doing what you do. And, and like it's a burden. It is no burden at all. It's fun. And, um, it's fun if you can get through the stress, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but it's not, it's, it's a joyful thing. It's, um, it's a joyful thing and it's, uh, you really have to like people. But other than, um, other than that, and, and it's, it really is not for everyone. It's, it's, it is for people who, who like people. I don't know if those people who, who kind of act like I'm a saint, if they know that I don't, I don't do everything. I'm in my office and, you know, I am not doing all the nitty gritty things that you might think, but. I still have a lot of fun with the residents. We have people who, we have people who go out to the casinos 
And, you know, and I just tell them, please, no police escort this time. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and, and they just, they have a lot of, of fun. We have, um, we have a resident who, um, is a seamstress and she has this embroidery machine and, and for everybody's birthday, she embroiders a towel for them. And it's just so, it's just so nice. And, um, and that's the kind of community that this is. We're big enough so that people don't know everything about everybody, but we're small enough so that you kind of know everybody's face and know where they live. And, but you don't have to be the best of friends with them or the only person to talk to. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been very educational for me. Thank you. You've been listening to the Health Leader Forge, a joint production of the College of Health and Human Services at the University of New Hampshire and the Northern New England Association of Healthcare Executives. Please go to our website, healthleaderforge.org, for more information or to leave comments about today's podcast. Look for Health Leader Forge podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and other podcast distribution sites. Thanks for being a part of the Health Leader Forge community, and we'll talk with you again in about two weeks.